Hodges puts up the three. Long go. Rebound box. Now head over in this direction. Gone to three. Welcome back to Camp's Corner, the very first episode in season two. And I'm proud to be joined by Carlton, better known as Silk Owens. In today's podcast, Silk is a University of Rhode Island Athletic Hall of Famer in the graduating class in 1988 and was a captain of the Sweet 16 run that year as well. Thank you for joining me, Silk. It's an honor, man. Hey, thanks for having me, Cam. I really appreciate it. Hey, no problem, man. Of course. Um, I've seen you. How many podcasts have you been on so far? Recently, you've been in the media a little bit on uh, YouTube and stuff like that, huh? Yeah, quite a few. And uh, I was trying to slow down with it a little bit. And uh, it was just too much at once. Right. So, uh, so I took a week or two off and now I'm back. So I wanted to make sure I reach out to you and uh, so we can get this done. Yeah, of course, man. I appreciate it a ton. Um, you know, to kind of get started kind of on the coaching aspect, I know you've got a little bit of a coaching background so far. Um, you know, before we get into your playing days, what have you been doing like nowadays with coaching, uh, like, you know, on the coaching aspect of the game and uh, what teams have you involved yourself with? Well, um, the past two years, I was coaching high school basketball out right. in Florida mm-hmm. uh, at a program called uh, Orlando Christian Prep. Uh, we won the state championship the last two years. This year they won it again, but I wasn't there. Yep. And, uh, great, great program in Orlando. And uh, I've been doing that the last two years. And prior to that, I was uh, coaching at uh, Kennesaw State with a uh, legendary coach, Al Skinner. And uh, I've been doing that for the, uh, the past four years with that. Uh, since I moved here to uh, Connecticut, I've been trying to get involved with one of the high school jobs here. Yep. And, uh, as a head coach, uh, came up a little short on uh, getting a job there. So uh, right now I'm just trying to pursue a college job, to be honest with you. Right, yeah. So, like, um, how was your knowledge of the game, you know, from your playing days transferred over to coaching? Like, how, like, different uh, has the game changed maybe in your eyes from, like, a coaching perspective now? Oh, yeah, it's changed. Let let me just say this. Um, Being a former player and becoming a coach is two different things. It's two different worlds. Like, You have the knowledge of the game as a player, right? You know the ins and outs of the game. But when you coach, it's a different ball game. Of course. Look at everything now as opposed to just going out and playing and making adjustments on, uh, you know, how I defend my uh, opponent. As a coach, I have to cover everything. I'm a little under the weather, so my my voice is probably cracking a little. No, you're good. (laughs) I got a slight little cold there. And – but, you know, being a former player, you have a lot of knowledge of the game. Um, I have different experiences uh, from playing at the lower level. Um, as a middle school kid, developing into the high school. And, you know, you just get experience each level. So middle school to high school to college. And I just improved at every level. Of course. And that carries over to college. Uh, 
being that I experienced a lot of different uh, situations out there on the floor, I can pass that on to my players that's playing now. Say, look, you know, give them great advice. Uh, I experienced this. I think you should do it this way. You know, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Help, you know, that can help a young player because uh, I've been there and I've done that. Yeah, especially like if they see you, like, um, you know, I know you're in the media a little bit, like on YouTube, highlights and things like that. If they see their coach, you know, how he played and, you know, the way that you try to teach them, like that gives them more uh, maybe motivation in a way or like more of like, oh, you know, my coach, he, he did this. You know what I mean? No, like he knows right. what he's talking about, you know? Yeah. yeah it's more of, oh, I saw him out on the floor doing it, so I better right. listen. He did it at a high level. So exactly. it kind of helps. I think being a former player turning to a coach, your players need to know that you played the game and you know, you've gotten that much more respect that way. And, uh, cause they know you've been there. So, yeah. No, yeah, definitely. And, um, you know, having your ties with URI, the runs you guys have went on, um, like you said earlier, I know you went on like a little bit of like a pause with the media and things. Um, I was wondering if you like, uh, you know, had interest in joining the coaching staff. I know they hired a couple of uh, assistant coaches, uh, this past week. Um, you know, I don't know if that media pause had anything to do with that, if you were like, uh, you know, trying to get that job. So if you could like elaborate on that and, uh, you know, how this, these past couple of weeks have been for you. Yeah, I was kind of, I was, uh, very much interested in, uh, trying to join the staff. So I had to slow down a little bit because right. you know, I had people coming from everywhere and, uh, trying to promote, promote me as well. So, uh, I didn't want it where I became a nuisance, like. I don't want to deal with this guy. Yeah, <laughs> He got plenty of people following him, trying to push him for the job. So I said, let me take a step back and let it play itself out. Now, he did announce his staff. Uh, unfortunately, uh, I didn't get a call. Mm -hmm. But there is one position available, I heard yesterday, uh, director of play development, which is a pretty decent position there that I'm interested in. So let's see what happened with that position. So... Yeah, for sure. And I'm, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm potentially going to be transferring there next year. You know, I, you know, I'm going to be going into my junior year of college. Um, you know, I'm on like the broadcast aspect though. I do the podcast to get my name out there more, you know, uh, right. like platform myself. So if I see you down there, man, that's going to be, you know, a crazy scene. You know, I hope everything goes well with that for sure. Yeah. That'd be awesome, man. See you on camera. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, kind of transitioning out like your playing days, you know, growing up in Brooklyn, New York, um, when did a true passion uh, for the game of basketball, like, really start for you? Uh, good question. <laughs> um, well, put it like this. I started gaining interest when I was three years old, right? So yeah. my dad, when he used to come home from work, he would always come home and there's always seemed to be a New York Knicks game on, right? Hey, so, that's – that's my bread and butter, fan. man. New York fan all day, man. <laughs> right. I'm a Knicks fan. So I would sit and watch the game with him. Yeah. And uh, I just enjoyed watching it so much. Uh, I said, look, I want to start playing. I was three years old. So Christmas time came around. I said, Dad, I want a basketball. So I said, there's two things I really want, a basketball and a big wheel. You probably don't know what a big wheel is. <laughs> so it's one big wheel. It's like a, uh, I don't know like a little tricycle type thing. Mm -hmm. There's one big wheel and then two little ones in the back. Uh, so I was able to get those two. So when I got the basketball, he would take me to work with him. Mm -hmm. and, uh, he would play at lunchtime. And, um, you know, I'd be on the side trying to throw the ball up and hit the rim. Obviously, I wasn't strong enough then, but I was getting close. Right. You know, I would hit the net at least. 
So as I got older, uh, none of them shots are going in, right? Five or six years old, they're going in now. So now my interest really peaked. I was like, oh, I can do this. You know? <laughs> right. It felt good too. You know, it felt good when you're shooting it, you're that young, and you see it go through the net. So it piqued my interest. And uh, so ever since then, I was playing like every day. Yep. Like six, seven days a week. And uh, and that's how I got better, you know, as the years went on. Yeah. So like bouncing off of that, like so happy to hear that you're a Knicks fan, man. I know you said you're from Brooklyn, New York, but <laughs> yeah, man, that's me and my dad. We every even the, through like the tough seasons that have been going on and on, like just still right. dedicated. You know, you got to be dedicated. But yeah, I like um, that. You're a yeah. diehard fan. See, I'm oh, diehard. Yeah. I still wear my Knicks hat, shirt. I, I got care. this Washington shirt on, but don't be fooled. Like I'm, <laughs> I got all the all the jerseys hung up, everything in here, man. But um, yeah, so I guess like bouncing off of that, like, you know, you said growing up watching the Knicks, who did you kind of, you know, once you got a little older, who did you like model your game around and uh, kind of like admire, uh, like, you know, as you got a little bit older? Uh, well, my idol was uh, from watching the Knicks is uh, yeah. Clyde Frazier. Yep. Walt Clyde Frazier. He was the point guard for the Knicks back in the 70s, early 70s. Really, really good, talented player. Uh, I just fell in love with his game. The way he played, he was smooth. Um, you know, he had a good head on his shoulder. He was a leader and he wore number 10. Yep. So that's why I got the number 10. That's when I started wearing number 10. I started at a young age wearing number 10. Clyde's one of my idols now, trying to get into the broadcasting aspect, watching all the Knicks games he does with Mike Green. Um, you know, Hold on, went- before, you, before you move forward, you got to broaden your vocabulary though. Oh yeah, no, I know. Especially with Clyde, right? Yeah. <laughs> Percolate and all that type of. Yeah. I, I listen to it. I'm trying to pick up on it a little bit. But, you got to get your dictionary out. Yeah, of course. You know, I, I do like the PA too. At, uh, right now, I'm at Rhode Island College. Uh, basketball oh, yeah? season. Yeah, the basketball season's all, all over now, but I, I hopped on yeah. a couple games and did play by play. PA, I was, yeah, I was trying to mix in a little bit of the, you know, like the PA guy from like Madison Square, you know, got to get a little creative. Yeah. Like people recognize that. You know what I mean? So people know nah, that I'm a Knicks fan. So it's pretty cool. But, hey, you know, you're on the right track, brother. Yeah, they got to stay on the grind, like I said. But, um, yeah. you know, going back to, like, Clyde and all those guys, um, you know, kind of, like I said, once you got older, where did that name, where did Silk uh, originate from? Uh, from growing up in the in the neighborhood in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll tell you the story. One morning, uh, it was a Saturday morning, about 9 a.m., right? So I'm outside working on my game, and uh, I was the only one outside, right? Uh, and one of my summer league coaches was so happy to be walking by, right? So I'm outside, I'm shooting, shooting. He just stood there. He was watching. I hit about 10, 10, 11 straight in a row. He was like, man, he's like, your jump is smooth as silk. He said, can I call you silk? I said, sure, why not? <laughs> I like the name. <laughs> so everyone in New York has a nickname. If you play ball, you got to have a nickname. So I grew up with guys. One guy was Speedy. One guy was Spice. One guy was Ice. Like everybody had a nickname. So that was my nickname. So, and I got it. I think I was 12, 13 years old. And it just stuck. Stuck wow. with me. And, uh, but prior to that, my name was Quick Car. Mm-hmm. So one of the guys at PA announces in the summer release, I was really quick. He was like, oh, Quick Car, you know. Shorten my first name. Yeah. So that was my name at first. But uh, I said, no, nah, I like Silk better. 
Yeah, like my my dad, his nickname growing up was Ice, and you know, meeting him, like that that name kind of just came down to me. So once I got like older, and you know, I started playing basketball, that's what people started calling me. I don't know how they like like knew to say that because no one could really say my last name. You know, it's right. like Ice Simone, so they just would say Ice, and then I just kind of rolled with that. You know, throughout yeah. the whole that's a smooth name, man. You like, gotta live up to that. Yeah. So like going back to you know your playing career, um, I know I saw on like the one of the podcasts you were on, like the Roadie Vault, when you were you know 17 years old, getting a little better, developing your game. Um, yeah. I know you were shot in your left arm. You know, it put a pause on your like career. And I know it's a very sensitive subject for you, but you know, if you don't want to yeah. talk about it, like for sure, you don't have to talk about it like at all. We can move on. But yeah. I know it was very yeah. pivotal, you know, a very pivotal like you know moment yeah. in your life. So how did you deal with that, and how did you regain the strength back to keep playing? Ah, uh, yeah, it was a, a one of the hardest hardest times of my life. Of course, and, uh, missing my junior high school. What was so unfortunate was that my sophomore year mm-hmm. had a great season, so I was getting highly recruited. You know, I was playing for one of the top programs in New York City at Lincoln High School, and to be a starter as a sophomore and average sixteen points a game, you know, my stock was going up, and. Uh, so I figured by my junior year, that's when you really should shine. You know, I would have had like Kentucky, Virginia, all them schools on me. They was coming until my junior year. So when I got shot, unfortunately, it was at a party. And, uh, you know, I was hanging out one weekend. You know, school had just started. And uh, we just wanted to go have a good time. So I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Basically what happened. And uh, so getting shot, missing my junior year was rough. Uh, I mean, the recruiters stopped calling. Uh, so I thought, you know, they thought I was a bad kid. So they didn't know me personally, but they thought I was a bad kid. So it was one coach that never backed off me, and that was uh, Brendan Malone. He was at Syracuse. He was recruiting me at Syracuse. And uh, so he stayed in touch with me. And we built a relationship, you know, I trusted him and uh, he gave trust in me. He knew, he knew I wasn't a bad kid. Mm. So he never backed off. So going through, uh, you know, get shot. I couldn't even lift a pencil. That's how bad it was. It shot him, my whole arm shattered. So I had to start from scratch, rehabilitate my arm, strengthen my arm where I can get back, where I can at least shoot a basketball again. That's how far behind I was. You were left-handed, right? And I'm left-handed. Yeah. Right. Left arm, I'm left-handed. <laughs> so I didn't the doctor said, well, if we have surgery, we're not sure you'll be able to use your arm again. Right? They're telling my parents this. Or you can rehabilitate your arm and we still not guarantee you're gonna be able to use your arm again. You know how hard you work. So I said, let's go the second route. I go to rehabilitation. I work my butt off and, uh, you know, gain that strength back. And uh, so, you know, going through that whole process was rough. And uh, but eventually I got my strength back. Um, I had to reteach myself how to shoot the ball again because my left arm is shorter than my right arm now. So now my shot looks ugly. I look deformed pretty much. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, you know, one arm shorter than the other, it just don't look right. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I had to learn how to shoot 
with my arm like partially bent. So I don't think you understand how hard that is. But it was very, very, very difficult. I can only I had to imagine. Learn how to dribble the ball again, <laughs> right? Very, mm-hmm. very difficult. Uh, the one positive that came out of it uh, is I developed my right hand now. Yeah. I would go to practice. You know, I got a cast on. Mm-hmm. I would go to practice and dribble the ball during practice on the side with my right hand, shoot layups, uh, short bank shots, stuff like that. So when I did get the cast off and got my strength back, now I can use both hands. So I was strictly all left until that that accident happened. Mm-hmm. I was all left. Like everybody know I'm going left. But now I can go either way. So it kind of made me a better player, to be honest. Yeah. Made me a better player. Now, how do you guard me? I go right. left, I can go right. I can shoot with my right hand. I can shoot with my left. I'm quick. Right? So if you stay off me, I can shoot the jump shot. So how do you guard me? That made me real effective. And uh yeah, that's how those offers started to come in more. Like once you, you know, developed your game right. after that, right? Yep, I developed and um prior uh, the summer of my senior year, uh moving forward. Yeah. Until a camp. It's called AFBE, right? Athletes for Better Education. It's called ABCD Camp now. So back then, that's what it was called. So I went to that camp. All the high major players was at this camp. I had a great camp. So now my stock went back up. Not like it was or was headed towards, but it went back up. Because I was I only had like one or two coaches was it was at, it was at nothing after that accident, and then that camp like put you back <laughs> on the camp. map, huh? Exactly, exactly. So now I'm getting all these phone calls now, again. And uh, you know, I hold my coach that my high school coach Bobby Hostin. He's my mentor now, and uh, he helped you know uh, get the word out there that you know I'm back and uh, playing well, and uh, you need to come back out and see him again. I know you said your mom was a very inspirational person and helped you through these yeah. times as well. Um, you know, so, so that's when I get emotional. Yeah. If I mention my mother, then I'm, the interview will be over. Yeah. So I try to avoid that. No, no, of course. Yeah, yeah, of course. Like, but like, you know, like I said, going back to like your high school coach, who were like people that, you know, I know you said you did it like a lot, like by yourself. Like you were very like self-determined. You grinded like yourself to get back and recover yeah. as best you can. But like, were there any like, uh, you know, besides like maybe your coach who were like inspirational and kind of helped you, uh, get back to that path, like with the camps and all that kind of thing. Well, the camps and uh, one of my best friends, uh, mm-hmm. we would work out together one on one, and uh, and we would go at it like we wasn't friends. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> like every day we play one on one, trying to get better. And he wouldn't allow me to, uh, you know, to get easy buckets. He'd make it tough on me. So that kind of developed me as well. When you, if you want to improve your game, you play somebody one-on-one. You know, instead of just shooting around out on the basketball court, go one-on-one with somebody. Mm-hmm. And get meaningful. And uh, that helped develop my game. And uh, once I got my arm strengthened again, we would go one-on-one every day. So I credit him for that as well, you know, helping me and, uh, you know, gain my confidence back and, uh, you know, not making it easy for me. Of course, not. Yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. I can only imagine, and like, like you said, with like your best friend, like I've had battles with that with all my friends. Of course, you know, obviously, of course, never had 
any kind of like you know dramatic experience like that like just like i said right. it's only could only imagine how like tough that was but um oh, yeah. you know like your senior year panned out great like you got all these offers back not as much as you did before but you know you're regaining you know you get your name back out there again what was like the what was the college scene like what kind of offers were you getting and like uh, how did the end of senior year kind of pan out for you uh well my senior i started out um shit, i was averaging like average like 22 points a game my senior year mm-hmm. so as the season went along coaches started hearing oh you know so Gomez is back he's averaging 22 we need to go out and see him and like I said, my coaches promote me as well. And which in, in high school, you need your coach. Right. right. Your coach, that's his job to help get you the scholarship. I mean, he was great at it. Like, I mean, I wasn't no scrub now, but he was great with promoting me. And, uh, you know, as the season went along, I mean, I had Boston College, Syracuse on me, Northeastern, Xavier, uh, South Carolina. Uh, just this ton of schools. Oh, GW. Yep. Uh, I almost went to GW. I was really actually, yeah, I almost went there. Uh, yeah, they was on me real hard. Uh, so you know, the school started coming out. Mm-hmm. Uh, we lost in the uh, city championship game by one point at the buzzer, which was devastating. <laughs> we lose by one at the buzzer, and. Uh, but overall, I thought I had a, a great senior year, and uh, I went and trade everything, you know, what I went through mm-hmm. in my high school years. I went and traded for nothing. So that's a story I could tell these kids, college exactly. kids. Like, this is what I went through. It's documented. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And they look up to that. Like, they they see that, like, you know, just right. that, just like they just that, – that motivates them. I can just already tell that motivates them to want to do good and want to do better. Like, that's – the best thing about being a coach is sharing those experiences, showing them what you can do, and they, you know, they learn from all that stuff, and that's awesome to hear. If they if they won't listen to a guy that overcame this, uh, could point to a, a missing tooth. I got my tooth knocked out in college. Mm-hmm. I got the bullet hole I could point to in my arm. If you won't listen to me, who are you gonna listen to? Yeah, and like you know, moments in practice where players maybe like goofing off and stuff, and you get like right. serious. You show them that stuff, you know what I mean? They they like, right. Right, you know, we gotta take so you, it, you, know, you got an uh, issue. Let me tell you about mine. Yeah. <laughs> Trust me, man. I I had a coach, you know, I've always I always tell talk about him on like almost all my episodes. I've had his sons on. Um, one of his sons is the assistant coach of the Celtics. And oh yeah. Um, yeah, the other one is just graduated from Vermont. They just, you know, made it to the uh March Madness tournament. They lost in the first round, but you know, they're doing great things. Um oh, he he's been like, yeah, he was like the like forefront of me doing all this stuff. Like I played for him right. since middle school, but you know, unfortunately he passed away my senior year. So I didn't uh, get to um, be coached by him my last year. So my right. senior year was kind of tough. Um, yeah. But like I said, like it's like the, the passion, like that he had every practice, the, um, right. the skill sets he taught, all that, all this stuff shaped yeah. me into like, not just a player, but a person. So like, that's person. where this right. passion for being a podcast, uh broadcaster, PA, all, all that stuff like comes from. So I can only, imagine what your players are thinking because when you instill all this stuff in them you know they can go on not even just playing but better things like that so that's, that's awesome great. to hear yeah that's great you have passion for this too because yeah you know you don't look at it as work you know, no this is fun for you. yeah right it's fun you know you love doing it same with basketball you have passion for the game this is fun mm-hmm. 
you know, I take it. I look at it as fun for me. You know, it's not a job. Same with coaching. I love being around players, help molding them to young men, right? And developing them as a basketball player. You have no idea how that makes a coach feel, mm-hmm. right? When a player started at this this level and raised his game back to a high level, right. you had a part of it, right? That makes a coach feel great. And that's why you coach, you know, you yeah. coach. You do it for the kids. Yeah, like he was he was the type of person to be like uh kind of like quiet about like you know obviously like feelings and all that kind of stuff. So he would he would yell at you and like like get into you, but like that means like he just wanted you to do good. He wanted to see you like I mean, play yeah. to the top of your potential, you know what I mean? That's what that's what some players don't understand, like at a young yeah. age. Like when you get yelled at, they're like, Oh, you know, like why is he yelling yeah. at me? Like I'm trying my bet, but like that they just they yell at you the most because they want to see you be the best no, player. They, you be the they best see person. it in you and yeah. they try to pull it out of you. Right. It is. They see it. But like you said, today, kids, if you yell at them, they go on the tank or they're going to report you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, now you lose your job. I know. Everybody's sensitive nowadays. Like, yeah. Like people, players got to realize, yeah. Coach. Yeah. Let, let me coach you. Okay. Of course. Yeah. Definitely. Yell. I don't yell all the time, but I'm going to yell some, sometimes. You got it. You have to. It's just that's the yeah. passion of the game that you have. Like, it just it just comes out. You can't, you know. It, it's hard to contain that. Yeah, it comes out like you said. Yeah, no doubt, man. But like I said, you know, going back to like uh, all the colleges that were offering you back one senior year, you know, came to a good uh, success and conclusion. Um, How did you decide to choose URI? You know, why URI? And um, you know, what other schools were you considering? Like you said, you were considering uh, George Washington and uh, things like that. Yeah, yeah, George Washington. uh, I was considering South Carolina as well Mm -hmm. because my mother's from South Carolina. I considered them. Uh, GW had a great relationship with the assistant coach. Yeah. And, uh, so I considered them strong, strongly. Uh, Northeastern as well. Uh, coach Jim Calhoun was there. And uh, so I was close to going there. But how I ended up at URI is uh, the assistant at Syracuse, Brendan Malone, uh, got the job at URI. Late. He got it late. And I was the first person he called. He said, look, I just got the head job. You're the first person I call. I want to hand you the ball. You're going to run the team. So I'm like, coach, like, what do you mean? I want him to repeat that. (laughs) As a freshman, yeah, that's as a freshman. Crazy to go through. Yeah, freshman's head, yeah. And I always said, I want to go to a school where I'm going to play, where I'll play right away. I don't want to sit. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to sit. So I probably went to went to Syracuse because I would have had to sit behind one of the greatest players ever at Syracuse. Um, <coughs> excuse me. At GW, I probably would have started. At Northeastern, I was going to come off the bench. I didn't want that. So when he said, "I'm gonna hand you the ball. This is your team. You're gonna start as a freshman." I said, "Coach, where do I sign?" Right, the letter of intent. Where do I sign? And I said, I have no idea where Rhode Island is. Like none. I was a young kid from New York City. I don't know nothing about Rhode Island. I said, I don't know where it is, and it don't matter. But if you're the head coach, you gonna hand me the ball. I'm coming to Rhode Island. Were they Division One at the time too? Yeah. Yep. Division One. I just never heard of them. Yeah. 
And the only reason I went is because I had the great relationship with Coach Malone, who was the only coach never backed off when I, uh, you know, I had the answer. So I felt like I kind of owe him, you know? Yeah. Uh, so that's why I came to University of Rhode Island. It was the best decision I ever made. Yeah, and of course, you know, it definitely end results. Like you can see athletic hall of famer and all that. Uh, yeah. all the, you know, numbers you've broken and all like everything like that. But like, you know, explain to me how the first like few years were, like your freshman, sophomore year. Um yeah. until you started getting, you know, obviously the sweet 16 around your senior year and everything. But how were those first few years for you there? So my first two years. Now you gotta remember, I came from a winning program in high school. Mm-hmm. AAU ball, we was winning championships, mm-hmm. you know, each tournament. So I never experienced losing in my life. Now, I get to URI, first year, we went eight games. <laughs> we go eight wow. and 20. Eight and 20. This freshman year? Freshman year, right? We go eight and 20. I was like, oh my God, we off. I had a great season, but I can't celebrate that because we stink. You know, we was terrible. Right. right. So sophomore year, moving forward, we went nine games. <laughs> Right, we, yeah. we go nine and nineteen. Um, oh my goodness! But I did see improvement, though. Yeah. Right? So I, I felt a little better. You know, we lost like five games in overtime. A mm-hmm. uh, couple of games by one, two points. So I can see the improvement. Now we starting to get some better plays in now, though. Right. Junior year, moving forward. Uh, now we got the key pieces we need. And we got better athletes, you know, better players. And, uh, and that's when it all changed for us. Yeah. But my first two years, and like I said, as a coach, I hit all, all, all angles. Mm-hmm. I experienced losing, right? So kids nowadays, they lose what they want to do. Transfer out. Yeah. Right? I want to transfer. We losing. We stink. A guy like myself. I can help, you know, prevent that from happening. Say, look, I experienced the same thing, right? I'm not to talk to the kids now. You know, I went through it. I was thinking the same thing because I never experienced losing, mm-hmm. you know, in high school level. So in that respect, I can help, you know, on that end. Yeah. Uh, you know, helping these kids, keeping them from going off the cliff. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then at the same time, I can say, look, I experienced winning too. Yeah, so now, like those two first two years, man. Yeah, I'm surprised. You know eight, yeah, eight wins, nine wins, and then you go to senior year. Well, obviously, junior year was a, more of a comeback year. Then senior year, you win, you go 28 and seven, and you make yeah. it to that tournament. Like just bouncing off of that, what was that? You know that run. Like what made that team so special, and what was your experiences like in the Sweet 16 in that March Madness tournament? Um, just to go back a little, I think. Yeah. My junior year, we won 20 games, right? We went to wow. the NIT, yeah. NIT, okay. right? If you don't make it to the NCAA, you want to play in the NIT. Win that, Post- of course. That's where I, um, you know, our confidence started building. It's like, oh, we can do this, right? We made postseason, junior year. Moving forward to my senior year, you know, we was like, we're going all out now because we know we have the talent to mm-hmm. win. Uh you know, throughout the season, you know, we went in games, we went in big. We beat Providence by 22. Wow. My senior year. At the Dunkin' Donuts Center. Must have been packed. Oh, it was a sellout. 
Yeah. We killed, we killed him. My junior there, we lost to them by, I think, two points. So my senior, I wanted to beat him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I know you know the Friars. So, of course. Uh, you know, that's our rival in state. Mm-hmm. Beat him by 20 points. So we knew we had something, right? We knew we had something going. Uh, and moving forward, playing in the A-10 tournament, uh, we beat West Virginia. We could never beat West Virginia. So now our confidence is really going sky high. Played Temple. Temple was number one in the country that year. Most of the season, they was number one. They beat us by five in the championship game. So I knew we would get selected at large in the tournament. We lost the number one team in the country by five. They was beating other ranked teams by 15, Temple. We lost them by five. So we had something there. And once we got selected, we was like, all right, we got to make the best of this, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to the tournament. We're putting, uh, you know, URI on the map. We're on the national scene now, right? Nobody ever heard of uh, University of Rhode Island. Now the national scene. Now we got to put us on the map. So our attitude was, whoever we play, we're going to take it to them. I don't care who we play. And that's the confidence we had in uh, Coach Pendens and still that in all of the players. So you got you know to have that in you. And you've always had it in you. So that's how right. and it still didn't so you, you got to have that attitude. Like off the court, I'm the nicest guy you want to know. Mm-hmm. You know, your dad can tell you that. Like I'm, nice, I'm just a nice guy. That's my personality, though. Right? Mm-hmm. On the court, I'm a different person. Right? I want to take it to you. No you mercy, no nothing. That's how you got to be, right? You you understand. So we play Missouri. Uh, great game. They had five guys on their roster that made it to the NBA. Five. Wow. And we just took it to them. They had uh, Derek Chivas. He was like first-team All-American. They call him the Band-Aid man. Right? He's from New York, too, from Queens. He gave us 35, but we shut everybody else down. Right? And we beat them. I don't know. I think it was 87-80. Beat them. So we're pissed us off going to the next round against Syracuse. Prior to that, the announcer said, oh, the second round game will be a great game between Missouri and Syracuse. So we're being disrespected again. Yeah. <laughs> so Coach Pendens didn't like that. He brought it to us in the locker room. He said, I'm going to say this is what the announcer said. We're not going for it. I can't say it the way I want to say it. This is this this is once the game was over and you already won. Yeah. Jesus. No, no, I'm sorry. This, oh, this is before the game. Oh, okay. All right. All right. So they're predicting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, who gonna win? They couldn't yeah. see Little Rhode Island beat Missouri with five NBA players. Mm. So that pissed us off. That's yeah. why we went out and tore uh, Missouri up. So he used the same strategy going into Syracuse game. Mm-hmm. And so we was fired up. We was highly motivated. Uh, you know, coach in the locker room going nuts. <laughs> we going nuts. We're like, we ready to play. Let's go. So we get out there. And uh, during the game, early in the game, the players from Syracuse being disrespectful to us. Talking about where's Rhode Island? I never heard of Rhode Island. What's the Atlantic 10? What conference is that? Like, I never heard of it. 
He's like, don't worry about any game. You're going to know where Rhode Island is, where it's located, <laughs> what conference are we play in. You're going to know all of this stuff. And, and Sherman Douglas was one of the main ones. Mm. Yeah, I was yeah, I seen that. Yep. So at the free throw line, he's saying all this stuff to me. Mm-hmm. I'm shooting the free throw. I go, where's Rhode Island at? Y'all stink. We never even heard of you guys. I said, don't worry about any game. You'll know where Rhode Island is. Mm-hmm. And where we're located and what conference we're playing. I said, trust me, you're going to know. And I just laughed. I thought it was funny. Yeah. You know, as I'm shooting my free throws. And uh, so, and it wasn't just him. Derek Coleman had a big mouth. Mm-hmm. Uh, only one that really didn't talk was uh, Ronnie, Ronnie Sykes. And uh, he ended up being the number one pick in the draft that year, 88. Wow. So we played against some talented teams talented individual players, but we had no fear. Cam, we was afraid of no one. Like that's no a, that's one. A, that's a roadie way, man. That's yeah. Gotta have I'm that. starting to get fired up again now. Think about it. <laughs> you yeah, fear, it, no love one. that. Yeah, like it was no fear, like none. And uh, we only played six guys, right? So the main three was Tommy, Garrett, Kenny Green, and myself. We was the main three. We had some help now, but we was the main three. And uh, we just played well together, played as a unit. You know, everybody was unselfish. Obviously, some players going to shoot more than others, uh, which Tommy and myself, we shot, took more of the shots. And Kenny was coming along, right? Kenny had a great uh, – he was a sophomore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great sophomore year, and, uh, and we needed that. You know, we needed that. And uh, our role players, they knew they role, right? So that's how you develop a team. You know, you get your really good stars, and then your role players know they role. And accept they role, though. You got to accept it. But it won't work. Right. And Coach Penn was good with meshing us together, understanding your role. When you coach, you have to uh, uh, point out, look, all right, this is – these two, these are star players now. I need you to play this role. If your role is rebounding, blocking shots, I need you to do that 100%. Right. You don't got to score. You just play that role. Like, yeah, <laughs> of course. Yeah. If you score, that's a bonus. Yeah. Right. And that's how we had it. Like our center, he, he, I mean, he averaged like four or five points a game, but we couldn't win without him. Mm. And that's Bonzi Coast. Couldn't win without that guy. He blocked everything coming up in there. He rebounded. He set so many screens for me. I got half of my points because he set screens for me. You don't see that in the stat sheet. You don't see. No, right. You don't see that in the stat sheet. Right. So I got to point that out. You still keep in contact with all these guys still? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 That's awesome. He lives, uh, we live right in uh, Massachusetts. So we still go out to dinner and reminisce and have a good time. We had another good role player, Mergensina. Uh, he came from Brooklyn. So I knew him from high school. We almost played together in high school. And uh, he he was a transfer from Seton Hall. Brendan Malone, when he called me, he called him second. Mergensen. And you guys are freshmen? Yeah, coming in. Yep. So he used the first call. He said, I'm going to call Mergensen right now when I hang up from you. I said, tell Mergensen he needs to come to your ride with me so we can get this thing going. Yeah. But – you know, he wanted a bigger name. Mm-hmm. 
So C.O. Uh, recruited me as well. I forget that. Uh, Coach Mike Brown recruited me. And uh, so he wanted to go there. He didn't play much. Mm-hmm. What was important to me, I wanted to play. Right. This was the best decision I ever made coming to URI. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. look at it today. Most kids, they want to be in the transfer portal. Yeah. So they play one or two years out of school. Now you're gone. So what school do you claim? Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> you yeah. trans- Now you can transfer like every year. And the rule has to change. Mm-hmm. That's the worst rule they had. Definitely. They right? Before you transfer, you got to sit a year. If you transfer within your conference, you got to sit two years. Yeah. So yeah. Transfer, yeah. Right? I'm not sitting two years to transfer. You crazy? It's two years you could be playing like you were at, you know, at URI, right. like, and you stuck it out like that. You said like that that dog and you growing up from Brooklyn, like just kept keep going. And like you said, off the court, diff, totally different person. Once you get on the court, like, like I said about my coach, his son, he played at West Virginia and he started I think 2006, and he made it to the Final Four with West Virginia. He played against people like Steph Curry, uh, John Wall, Demarcus Cousins, yeah, like all these kinds of big name guys. And like I said, he's that, he's with the Celtics assistant coach right now. But he's like he had that in him. Like he was just like a completely different person on the floor. And, oh yeah, you know, yeah. It's that's, just you gotta you gotta have that in you, and that's that's what separates a good player from a great player. Average player. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you know, staying four years, you build chemistry. You know, and uh, but transferring from school to school, I don't mm-hmm. like it. At yeah, no, I, I wouldn't. Yeah, of course. If I was still playing, like obviously, like that would be a dream. But you know, you gotta, you gotta see what is uh, more suitable for you. Like I feel like this was more a more suitable thing for me because you know I'm I'm still around the game. I'm still you know, I'm just behind the scenes, you know, and yeah. and that's that's the best part of it, you know. And I I love like p- talking with people like you and like just yeah. the experiences you guys have. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's just it's so surreal, you know. And kind of to cap it off, um, the episode, like I know all the records you broke, all like the scoring titles you hold, all those kinds of things. Um, in the media, you know, the jersey retirement at the Ryan Center has been a big thing. And that like all your teammates have been saying, um, you know, Silk would be the first that we would want and, you know, all that, all those kinds of things. So how does that – what does that mean to you and how would you feel if you were the first jersey to, uh, to be retired in the in the Ryan Center? Uh, well, it means a lot to me to have my teammates to say that, you mm-hmm. know. And uh, that's just love right there, yeah. you know, uh, for them to say – Silk should be first. And they they just as qualified as I am, getting your number tight, Kenny and Tommy. And, uh, you know, it would mean a lot to me and my family as well. And uh, But should I be first? I don't know. Mm. Like, who's to say who's first? If we go by numbers, maybe. Yeah. That's something all time leading score there. Uh, second in assists. You know, all the stats you already read off. I mean, I can see it, but who's to say? And uh, I just say this: we need some numbers up in the rafters. For sure. Who's first? I don't care. Get some numbers up there. That helps with recruiting. Definitely. You bring in a recruit, and they look up in the rafters and see a couple of jerseys retired. They're gonna say, "Coach, I'm gonna get my my jersey up there one day." Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who that's gonna benefit? The coach university because that kid gonna go all out Mm -hmm. to get his name his jersey up there yeah of course you and your teammates very well-known people in rhode island and like you know just in general like you know how you're doing the podcast with me and how you've done it with adam and all these other people they're gonna be like oh who's who's owens who's that like who's why was his name so they look you up and then they know you they know your game they know that and they're like all right that's 
that's something I want to bring to Rody. So like that's just exactly it's that's crazy to think about man. Yeah. When you come into the arena and you see my name up there, you know, the kids, young kids today might not know who I am. Yeah, right. They can look it up. Oh, who's still going? Oh, you know, because they have the year I graduated. Mm-hmm. You probably want half of y'all probably wasn't even born. Yeah. You know, so it's a good thing. That's what you call history. Exactly. Like you said, you are right. We need that. Who you put up there first, I don't care. Just get some numbers up there. For sure. And um, like I said earlier, like, you know, cap everything off. I'm praying you get on some kind of staff there at URI because when I transfer over there, man, it's going to be so cool, you know, meet you in person. And um, I just got to, I got to thank my dad making this connection, man. I, that was, you know, props to him. And uh, he's going to love, he's going to love that. Yeah. Tell your dad, he owes me a big steak. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) I got him. He's gonna he's gonna love it, man. He's gonna love the episode. I can't wait to show him. Yeah, that's my guy. Yeah, but that kind of wraps up everything, Silk. I mean, I appreciate you joining and taking the time out of your day. Like I said, I know like those weeks, you know, you kind of had to go on a little pause. Like you had a lot of stuff going on, but I appreciate you making the time for Cam's Corner. Uh, I just wanted to ask you last, like, what did you think of the show, and who might you want to see me try to get as like another uh, featured guest? No, the show is great. You you um you was better than I thought you was gonna be. (laughs) Appreciate it. I was like, oh, he's all right. You know what he's doing. Yeah. And uh, you was good. I usually don't like on podcast myself, to be honest. Yeah. But you was pretty good, man. Appreciate uh, it, man. Did you, have, did you interview Kenny Green yet? No. You're actually like my first uh, URI like, alum to be featured on the show. So, yeah. I'm going to talk to Kenny Green. Tell him he needs to do a podcast with you. Nope. Kenny yeah. Green, he's great. He's great. For sure. Definitely. Make it happen. I'll... I'm always reaching out to these people. I'm always on like a grind on the social media aspect. So if he's got yeah. any of that numbers, whatever, I'll reach out as soon as I can. Okay. Hey man, I appreciate it. And I'll, I'll keep in touch for sure. And put Cam's corner out on the map. Once I'll, I'll text you once this goes out for sure. All right. Let me know. Okay. I appreciate right, you, bro. Good I job. I appreciate man. you, man. Thank you. <laughs>